Hello there and welcome to my podcast. I'm Andrea Byrne and I'm usually found presenting the news on your telly. I've started this podcast, Making Babies, because of the journey my husband and I went through. We spent many, many years trying to start our family, so I really wanted to reach out to try to help people on their own journeys to parenthood. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. If you've had a listen to episode one, then thank you so much. And I hope the tips on coping with Wendy and Alice resonated and helped a bit. You're listening now to episode two. And for these first episodes of the series, I've teamed up with Fertility Network UK, as I've recently become an ambassador for the charity. The idea of the series as a whole is to talk over all kinds of topics around trying to conceive with lots of people who have a wealth of expertise and experience. More than one in six really you're looking at, more than one in six couples are affected. Your dream of having a baby naturally in a loving, warm relationship suddenly is going to be medicalised. About eight years ago uh, I found out I was unable to have children. Yeah, it pretty much changed my life to be honest. As much as I would like to see us in the future having a family, even if we didn't, I would still enjoy Kev's company and being with Kev for Kev, not just because we can have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's going in my headline teasers. That's the little clip. (laughs) As my guests share their advice and their lives with you, I'll also be sharing a little of my story along the way. Somehow, against all the odds, after seven long years, we did end up with our precious daughter, Jemima, who is now nearly two. that how she is here remains a mystery because we were told by several doctors around the world in fact that i probably wouldn't carry a pregnancy and we spent a long time exploring the options such as surrogacy so i really do know how tough the road to parenthood can be and how difficult it is to keep going not knowing what the result will be for you If I can help you, your friends, your family, your colleagues understand just a little bit better as you navigate your way through, then these episodes will have done their job. So welcome to Making Babies. Today it is all about the men. My guest has created his own fertility support club, if you like. Not only for men diagnosed with infertility themselves, and remember 50% of all infertility cases are male factor, but he's also giving support to men living through infertility with their partners. And keep listening because partway through the chat, my husband Lee, many of you listening might know him perhaps from Welsh rugby, ends up interrupting for a man-to-man chat with Kevin. And then Kevin's wife Nikki turns up too, so all in all we've got quite a few different relationship perspectives covered on this podcast. So let's get on and meet Kevin, the man cave and Nikki as they chat to me and to Lee. So with me today on the podcast, virtually, again, of course, as we all get used to this socially distanced world, is a man named Kevin Button, more commonly known on his social media channels as The Man Cave. Good evening to you. How are you? You good? Yeah, all good, Andrew. How are you? Very well, thank you. And thank you for, for joining me. And it's lovely to find out when I was looking at people to talk to about this that you're actually not that far away. You're only in Caerphilly. So um, we should maybe be saying Borada. I don't know. Really good to have you on. Um, and we connected, didn't we, through the Fertility Network UK. And you're an ambassador for them. And hearing from you will help lots and lots of people. And what you're doing is really, really great to kind of lift that taboo, particularly around men and fertility and male infertility. And there's so many people out there who 
who want support and need support and maybe going through it alone. So um, Kevin, welcome. And tell me, first of all, you know, who you are and what the Man Cave is. How did it all come about? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, I'm Kevin, Kevin Button. And about eight years ago, I found out I was unable to have children. And yeah, it pretty much changed my life, to be honest. I didn't know how to take it. I was in denial for a while. And yeah, I was in a bad place and my relationship broke down. The next thing I know, I, I, I moved out and I was in with my dad. And later on, I got made redundant. So it was, it was, I was in a right mess. And um, yeah, they weren't in a good place for a while, Andrea, to be honest. You summarise that all in like a really, you know, a few sentences, but that's a huge amount to kind of process. So how did you actually find out what actually happened? Me and my girlfriend at the time, we were trying for a baby. I think after about 12 months to 14 months, we decided to go to the doctors and I had a sperm uh, sample. I had to do two in the end and they were low counts and I was advised to do a sperm retrieval operation. And yeah, I was unsuccessful again. I basically have no luck whatsoever. And um, it was just heartbreaking, the whole, the whole process, to be honest, Andrea. What did it feel like when you had those initial conversations? It was all new to me. I, 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 my, my emotions were all over the place. I had no one to talk to, really. Yeah, it was, it was a big struggle. There was no support out there. I, I, and even now, like, I'd Google stuff and stuff, hardly nothing would come up. And um, it was hard to try to talk to someone and frustration and then anger would come out and like I said the relationship broke, out, broke down and I met I met my wife then uh, uh, who I can call, call my wife now Nikki and um, we went on our fertility journey and yeah we had no success there we had two free cycles on the NHS it was unsuccessful there as well so at the minute we're saving and that's how the man cave came about and yeah the man cave is basically all about spreading awareness around male infertility and mental health. Why did you think you, you felt so strongly about talking about it? Because for most people, and I know, for instance, when we were going through it all, it was hard, really, how public or private to be about it. Where did you find the kind of strength to, to do this? Because it's marvellous that you have. Yeah, like, I totally agree. Everything you just said then is just there was no one to talk to as well. And if you did speak to someone, they can really relate because they haven't been through that process with you. And it was a big struggle. And yeah, for me, um, the turning point, uh, I lost my cousin just before Christmas, uh, suicide. And that was life-changing for me. It just it woke me up and I thought, right, I can't keep this burden any longer. I had, I had to get off my chest and help. Because I knew deep down, I spoke to other people as well, close friends who were going through the same kind of thing and struggling. And I just thought, right, I got to do something about this. And I went over on Instagram and I didn't realise how big the community was on there trying to conceive and they've just been amazing over on Instagram, to be honest. What do you think it was about your um, losing your cousin that, that particularly triggered you to go on this journey? To be honest, I had many nights uh, with my wife on the weekends having a few beers. I, I'd go to write the post and then I'd, um, I'd delete it and I, I just went on for many weeks and then when my cousin passed away and I thought, right, I got nothing to lose. I'm, I'm 36 uh, I got, I got to, do, I got to help these other guys, like, because I, I, I could see it was a lot of men talking on Instagram, and I reached out, and the man cave's been going stronger and stronger. I've been doing it for the last twelve months now, and a lot's happened. I'm here to be honest. So this is relative, all relatively recent, really, in terms of your journey and your decision to kind of talk about it publicly. You know, you you might be trying to help others, but you've also got to help yeah. yourself. It does bring up old emotions now, but. 
I, I, I'm strong, I'm strong. I think I found my purpose. I have, Andrea. As soon as I came out 12 months ago with a man cave and I, I felt like a weight was off my shoulder and I, I feel much better now. Talk to me about Nikki. Um, I was I was reading about um, you know boss. You, <laughs> the boss. Oh, there we go. <laughs> well, you know, it is the case in most relationships. I have to say, what kind of support is Nikki to you, and and how does she feel about it all? Oh, she she's just been amazing. Uh, you women are pretty special, to be honest. And uh, yeah, she changed everything for me when when I got diagnosed. Um, I went through stages of meeting girls and. When the topic of uh, kids would, uh, was brought up, I'd kind of like be all quiet. And then I'd, the next day I'd drop my message and say, oh, it's not for me. And that weren't the case. I was like kind of scared. And then Nikki came along and I'd done the same with Nikki, funny enough. I, I, we met up and I wanted to be with her, but then she talked about kids. And then I thought, oh, I can't do this. And then I texted her the next day and said, look, I'd rather be friends. And then... I don't know what the breaking point was, but a month later, I dropped her a message and she, I told her everything and she accepted me for who I was. And uh, it's been pretty amazing ever since for her to do that. Yeah, like I said, we went on our fertility journey and in the minutes saving, I don't know if you've seen over on Instagram, I won a competition for IVF in California. I did see the headline, more, yeah. When's that uh, happening then? When uh, COVID does run. <laughs> You're waiting for the, for the pandemic to be over and then it's all systems go to America, is it? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. That's, that's, that's the plan at the moment anyway. Now, I know that you've, you've written about this and talked about it in the past, so I, hopefully it's not too intrusive to talk about it here. But um, So what's the situation with you now in terms of, is this your own sperm are using donor or what will it be when you do the IVF in America? Yeah, we'll be going down the, the, sperm, uh, the sperm donor route and uh, that's where we went the last two goes and um, I'll hold my hands up. I, that was a tough process, kind of dealing with those, uh, the motions and that. But yeah, we, we've got through it. And like I said, I've got a purpose now and I, I feel much confident and stronger. There's, the old process has made us as a couple even stronger. Like, cause it was one point we, well, many points we could have broke up easy. And I know, I know couples do as well. Because it puts so much pressure on everything, doesn't it? It puts pressure on finances, it puts pressure on work because you have to try and get to appointments when you should be working and you don't know who to tell and you don't know who will understand and then it puts pressure on your relationships and I think that's what people maybe don't understand, just the intensity of how it affects all different parts of your life. Yeah, 100%. And like I said, it's not really... There's hardly no support out there for us. People don't realise what you go through and uh, it's a tough old process. And more, and, more, and, more needs to, and more needs to be done. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to educate people. I'm educating myself as well. Because to be honest, I don't really know a, a great deal. And I mean, find out a lot of stuff. And people listening, what I didn't know, what is the syndrome that you were diagnosed with? Just so to put it all in context, people, uh, they won't know what that is. Sotelli-only syndrome is where there are only Sotelli cells in the tubes inside the testicles where sperms develop. So there are no sperm cells. Uh, present described as me there is a, is a factory but no one's working it <laughs> when you were told that were you told that there was no hope of anyone ever working in the factory if you like <laughs> yeah yeah this this is it this is a heartbreak in the days i was basically in a clinic i was told before and anyway when i when i woke up from the operation but when i went to the clinic the doctor give me give me a letter basically saying you've got two options sperm donor and adoption and there's the door and Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible, like. And yeah, I, I, the only way I can sort of relate to that is I remember sitting in one clinic and just I was just asked just a leaflet saying, well, you know, here's a leaflet on surrogacy. 
and yeah. told you know, that's that's your option and that's that well as anyone who who's looked into to that will know that is not an easy answer at all to your problem so you're kind of left with very little help really and you, from the perspective of of a man struggling with fertility or going through this journey with fertility how you feel when somebody assumes you've got children or or asks you if you've got children and how do you manage those conversations <laughs> I just I just struggle you shouldn't really like avoiding christenings and weddings even that's how bad it is and some and I know other people are the same as well and I try and shy away from them little things and we, we shouldn't be made to feel like this but we, we do and uh yeah, I, I am trying to get better. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be going to more weddings and christenings. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, actually, because that's one thing I, I felt really terrible about. I felt really terrible about not going to my friend's baby showers. I couldn't go yeah. to christenings. I made excuses. And I mean, people must have guessed, but yeah, um, yeah. the guilt, the guilt that's behind that as well, yeah. because they're your friends at the end of the day and, and you do sort of carry that guilt around with you, too. Yeah, I, yeah, they, I think they know, don't they? But uh, no, nothing said. But like I said, with me now coming out tonight, hopefully the topics uh, getting better, and we we don't feel like this anymore. When we're talking about people being being intrusive, asking questions, uh, there's also the, the practical side of that with treatment about things being intrusive. Um, and yeah, women have to cope with it. There's a lot of physical stuff that goes alongside the the fertility treatment, as as you know from having IVF with um, Nikki. Yeah procedures when you were diagnosed as well so you know what men have to go through when they give their samples etc etc and I think people just can very easily dismiss that as oh that's just one little part that the man has to do but um, I should imagine it's it's more than that and if I'm honest I've never really spoken to my husband about it (laughs) yeah I I'm different I have a lot of people uh, they struggle with going to do the sample but I just found like I gotta go and do a job and go like and (laughs) <laughs> but you also have to have operations and people talk to you about all that kind of intimate stuff and it, it is it, you know part of it's a little part of your dignity goes doesn't it when you have yeah. to talk to people about yeah. all that kind of thing it does and um yeah even even in the clinics going for the ivf like you do for, for the man side you know you do feel a bit lonely like you're not doing enough because uh, there's all the focus is on the women and uh yeah it can be a lonely place for a man and that's what i'm trying to get out there and get guys to like speak about it and what's your worry for men who are going through this who aren't talking? I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer about the suicides, I am, because the suicide rate at the minute is the biggest killer under 45 for men. And people might think that's a bit drastic, me saying that, and you can't really prove it. But I, I've been it. I've been rock bottom, I have. Like, but I keep telling guys, the only way is up. And uh, go through some terrible emotions, like anger, denial, and yeah, you're stressed. And the, I've depression as well and me and me and Nikki had counselling the first time on IVF and you're in a bad place and you don't know who to turn to you some some guys don't like speaking to their partners and that's where the relationship breaks down and um yeah as you know it's a tough process do you really feel that you're you're building a bit of an online community now and do you think men prefer it because it is on social media do you think it's easier for them in that respect sometimes yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of guys are anonymous as well, and uh, that's fine. And um, I've had a lot of people uh, message me, men and women, and I, I feel especially in the last six months that a lot of men have been coming forward speaking about their issues and their problems. And yeah, I think I think next year is gonna be pretty big. I think personally, since setting up the man cave, what sort of 
feeling do you get? What sort of satisfaction do you get when you feel like you're you're helping somebody? It must that must be pretty special to know that by coming out with your story, you actually are helping people out there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been good, and uh, I do a lot of Insta lives, and it's like a counselling session. They they don't they don't understand they're helping me in a session. We just that little that little topic, that little conversation, like me and you were doing. But I know is going a long way down down the line. But Instagram is is massive community. And then after a couple of months, I set up my website and I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter as well. And yeah, things have been taken off. And recently I became an ambassador for Tilly Network, which is the icing on the cake. And this is just the foundation for the man cave. Is... What do you hope will happen with the man cave? Just more men to just to open up and talk and relationships to get better with their partners. And yeah, so hopefully I, I, I want to get more more into the clinics i do I, i've been i've been generally flit out to the clinics a lot of a lot of clinics will have them a lot of clinics want and just just a little or maybe a little booklet for the guys in the clinics just so they gotta know where to go nutrition support counseling maybe because eight years ago i had i had nothing like that at all it was like i said it was a piece of paper use the door kev there's men going through them doors every day i don't know how many but it's, i know it's a lot and what was happening to these guys like and more needs to be done have you heard people say that their treatment has been affected by covid and the pandemic and, and delayed and has that has that been hard for people but uh, yeah i think a lot of a great deal of people have been affected and then it plays your mental health plays a part in that then which a lot of people don't get that comes with the fertility side of it and um yeah I think a lot of people have been affected. I got your hoodie on there, the Don't Give Up, which is the slogan for the Man Cave. That's actually a really big statement in itself. We found really hard to know to know when was right to give up because sometimes you get to a point where you, you do have to, well, if not take a break, you often have those conversations with people of, you know, when do I stop? When do I say, right, enough is enough? And when do I carry on going and not give up and get that strength to, to go for it, you know? I know it's a sad thing, but it, it boils down to the money end of the day, the financial side. We were lucky we had two or three cycles on the, uh, the NHS. We were looking to go abroad, uh, funny enough, to Norway. We went to the fertility show up in Manchester, I think, two years ago. And we fell in love with this doctor and we were going to go to Norway. And then lucky me and won a competition. So I'm in the boss's good book sort of bit. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know when to give up, but it does. I think the big one is boils down to money end of the day because there's a lot of money involved in it. Yeah, I mean, I won't go into all, all of the things we tried now, but we, we also um, spoke to doctors abroad, travelled with for treatment, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. In fact, part of our treatment did end up being um, in California as well. So we have something in common there. I think also there's a desperation involved, isn't there, of how can I solve this problem? I want to have some control over it. And so you will go to the ends of the earth. It's just how to find that strength when everything is going on around you and it seems like everything's against you. You don't know the future, do you? That's the hardest thing. Everything you do and every choice you make is, is a big gamble. Yeah, it's true. And you, you, in the, with the IVF, you go in positive all the time. I did anyway. I said, right, this is the time. This is the one. This is the one. And uh, it didn't work out. And then you go through the weeks and the months end of being depressed and the motions and yeah like i said you go for one one eye to a to a big low like and it's just tough it's really tough isn't it you get to the point where you think oh, i don't want to be too hopeful so i sort of started reining it in all the time and then that's no good because you end up being negative most of the time then i felt if i was too hopeful then you're you're in for more of a crash afterwards so it's yeah. really that's the roller coaster you're dealing with isn't it do you kind of have a method with nikki of of how you communicate do you sort of agree how you're going to deal with things and, and you talk a lot 
I just leave her alone for a couple of weeks. <laughs> nah, nah, yeah, we, we talk it out. I think she knows give me space and I know when to give her her time, space and that. But yeah, talk talk is the biggest one. And I know a lot of couples find it hard. I think we we found it hard. We, we just get stronger, I think, the more conversations we had. And when you were really at rock bottom last year, how did that feel? And when I was at my lowest is when I had the diagnosis. Well, to be honest, I was in denial for a while. I, I, I don't think it sank in until my uh, relationship broke down with my girlfriend. And um, this, is, this is proper serious now. Like, I was drinking heavily. I'm ashamed to say I was taking drugs at the time. And I was in a bad place. And uh, uh, Nikki walked into, walked into my life and just changed everything. And... Um, yeah, she's pretty amazing to talk to her about anything. And yeah, we've got a good relationship. So so America is kind of the next step then, once the pandemic has <laughs> gone out of our lives. So hopefully sooner rather than later. How did that come about, by the way? Because I'm intrigued. What, what sort of competition was this? <laughs> it sounds bizarre. I know. They were giving five free cycles away, away on California IVF, they were. And I think it was you had to spread awareness or talk about male infertility or talk about your journey. So... I've done a bit of stand-up comedy before. And I think I, I find myself a bit of a joker on times and I think I'm funny and I'm not. <laughs> and uh, basically, I, I, I put on a penny in the kitchen and I talked about my journey and about the man cave and what I'm about. And they messaged a few weeks later saying, congratulations, you're one of the five. And uh, yeah, the boss is happy. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. As my, uh, my close friends know, I got a habit of winning stuff. Little lobby of competitions I do. And I know this was the big one. I've seen a lot of people didn't enter the competition. So I thought as long as I stand out, I'll win it. And it was a bit confident to myself. But uh, yeah, I, I won it. And um, we just got to pay for the flights and the hotel. We got to look for accommodation. But we're saving five to ten grand, as you know, on IVF. So yeah, we, we yeah. got to go, go, go third time lucky. I just found that privately it, it took over my life and it took over me as a person. What could I drink that would help? What could I cut out that would help? What supplements can I take that would help? It was really unhealthy and I just wondered what your tips are, whether you found that's the case or whether Nikki finds that's, that's the case and what your tips are for not letting it take over, I suppose. I think Nikki was exactly the same as you. I think most women are like that. They, they, they're in control and they, 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 do, they know what's happening around them as well. But for the man's side, I... I I felt a bit helpless, I did, to be honest. I was, I was supportive and all that's why I was positive all the time. This is going to be the one. But do you think women are a little bit more control freaks about it? I don't know whether that's too much of a cliche or whether I'm, I'm stereotyping I'm too much or... I'm brave enough. I'm brave enough to say yeah. Okay, okay. We can't put everybody into these categories, but anecdotally, I, I found the same. Lee, again, like you, felt helpless. Um, but I was almost doing too much to try and help myself. It was too much. I found ways of dealing with my mental health better since then I think you, you do it really massively helps you learn about your resilience levels doesn't it I think yeah. what do you do yourself or what do you do as a couple to kind of just break out of all of this and just get away from it all I took a running I did I took my frustration out on the pavement and I hated running as, as a kid in school and that but for some reason the last three or four years I've done a lot of half marathons and um, he had Nikki Nikki's doing great now she's doing a couch to 5k as well she suffers with asthma so it's great she's doing that as well, staying focused. You've got to get the BMI down for the, the fertility treatment when we go abroad as well. So, yeah, we can't wait. I found my purpose last year. I think I'm more confident now and I feel like i got a lot of weight off my shoulders. i got nothing to lose. I, I think maturity as well, the older I'm getting, I don't think 10 years ago I would have done this personally, but the older you get, the more mature you are. And 
suck it up and get it done and uh yes I, i'm much better now i think well that's good to hear i'm going to see if lee is in a position to hop on and i, I haven't really briefed him at all but i know that you kind of had an intro on instagram i think you sort of spoken to him vaguely and bear with me just a moment i'll go and see if he's no worries how's it are you doing lee like bad oh. hi mate oh thanks not bad. How are you going? All right. Yeah, good. Thanks. You're making a uh, jump on, but the shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mind. Good to talk. Good to have a chat, isn't it? I didn't know where both of you have been for IVF, and I'm here to be honest. Tough, oh, tough, tough process, man. mate. It is. Uh, it's a tough process, and what normally people talk about as well, isn't it? Especially men. Can I ask Lee to speak to any of the boys, like, or anything like that? Yeah, I did in the, sort of latter stages because. I just felt like I had to say something because just because everybody's saying, well, when are you have kids, when are you have kids, and it was, you know. Yeah, yeah again, too at much. Start, like... At the start, not. You know, the first couple of years, three, four years, no. And then it was like, yeah, I just, you know, just my own sanity and say, oh, yeah, well, I'll try. Just to more or less keep the conversation, shut it down, like. And then I speak to people now. It's amazing how many people go, I go, oh, I, well, as soon as I say, oh, I went through IVF, you know, and as soon as I say it now, it's like, oh, me and my wife done that as well, or, oh, I'm going through that. It's like, I totally agree. I seen to Andrea just now that uh, I used to avoid like christenings and weddings and all sorts. Like, I just to avoid that topic and that awkward conversation. Like, Andrea was more than me, but I knew I just wanted to sort of friend up a bit just for, just yeah. for our sake, like, you know, but Andrea was not comfortable at all with all that. I was always just conscious of that, what she was thinking, you know. And, you know, never was really engaged in the moment of uh, over a friend's house in the garden where everyone's got kids. Yeah, that was just, it's, it's hard work, like, and uh, yeah, speaking yeah. about the IVF, the IVF treatment in the clinics and I like, us guys, like, we just feel like there's nothing we can do, like, you know, we feel a bit helpless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we get the easy bit, don't we? <laughs> I know, I, I know. Oh, I'd I think a lot of people don't understand the mental health side of it, like uh, the strain. Oh. And I said, for me, like when I when I was I diagnosed, I, I was telling your wife that uh, I'm unable to have children, so we're going on sperm donor route. Oh, okay. But um, I said when I first this was like eight years ago, I was drinking heavily. I was ashamed to say I was taking drugs, mate. I was in a bad place, like and just after rugby, I suppose it was, you know, more because I retired from rugby. Yeah. Still hurting from you know losing something you've done for fifteen. 16 years, lost a bit, lost in, in life a bit. And then going through the IVF, that was harder than any rugby match, any, but I was dealing with that. Then a, a friend, a good friend of mine died, Jerry Collins. And uh, yeah. it, was, it was like everything come at the same time. And sometimes I used to think it might've been me who was in for as well. I know I used to think, oh, you know, have I had a knock in rugby or something? Uh, you know, anything yeah. going through my head, like thinking, <laughs> is how can I put it together that way yeah, yeah. to anybody else who could have a baby normally? And I was just... Yeah, just trying to, you know, just pe- just get answers, really. Because you want answers, don't you? It's, uh... Yeah. You, you do, mate. You do. Worked out direct in the end, though, mate. Was it amazing? Yeah. It did. But, yeah, that's probably, like I said, toughest journey I've I've been on, really, is IVF. Yeah. Unbelievable. It is, mate. They said it can make or break you at the end of the day, but, you know what yeah. I mean? And... Oh, we've been on that bridge hundreds of times, you know. Where you just feel like giving up, and Andrew would tell you one of the hardest things. She used to tell me, "Go and find somebody else." Like, who can have, who can have children and that, and that was hard to deal with. So, what about you then? You, you, I'm the sperm donor, is it? Uh, we had two, two cycles IVF and a fail, mate. And we're going to California. And the funny story, I won. I actually won a competition, mate, on Instagram to go to go to California. Like, Cal- California IVF, we're running this competition, and uh, I won it. Like. 
Are you I'm serious? That's, that's fate, that, isn't it? It's got to be, isn't it? Third time lucky. Yeah. For quite a few friends I know now as well that I didn't know before. And people who've texted me and that, uh, you know, rugby players as well. People reach out to you on social media, like? Yeah. Now they do. So much worry in the past. Like, you know, oh. if he's there, got a purpose, no helping other people. Like I said, I, I say it now and as a bit of a conversation starter, like, you know, when they say, how many kids you got? Are you having any more? That's a new question. Now it's not, have you got, <laughs> have you got uh, any kids? Now, are you having any more? That's the yeah. new, it's like, it's never ending, isn't it? Give me a chance. <laughs> I just been seven years having one. So I say, well, I had quite a bit of a journey getting to this one, just to shut him up again. Because I'm big on the mental health as well, like, which a lot of men, a lot of people don't realise affects who comes with it and people don't realise that, like, and um, oh, it's, it's a big impact, mate, isn't it? Exercise <laughs> is uh, yeah. de- definitely the best. Like I said, I, I mean, I'm in a good routine from from rugby and that, where, you know, I used to train every morning. Then I, after, like, yeah. said, when I was going for that bad patch, I didn't, didn't stop, but I weren't... It, it was what I what I like to be, you know, where I was. And uh, now, like I said, I train at half five every morning. So yeah. good, good routine and yeah, it's good structure to have as well. Yeah. All right, not bad. Leave right. it to it. Thanks, Les, Paris. Speak to you soon. No worries. Cheers. Good luck. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Yeah. I love it, right? Yeah, good. I hope your ears weren't burning. Oh, yeah, I wonder. I don't want to be watching it all back to find out what was said. <laughs> Nick, Nicky's just coming back now. Good to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too, yeah. How are you coping with things at the moment? And I know you've got your American trip to kind of hold on to. So is that, what, is yeah. that what's keeping you going at the moment? Prior to us winning that, it's obviously been a bit of a case of all, obviously just having to save to get to the point where we were able to have IVF. And for me, it's like an, worried about my age and stuff because I'm 36 next month. So it's always sort of on the back of my mind. But um, yeah, at the moment, I think the focus is purely about get into California I'm like sort of wanting to get trying to keep fit and keep you know keep my weight down and taking up running and stuff to just try and help with the mental side as well because I work from home with lockdown so it's I feel like I've been in for forever yeah but, um, you know it's um it, it's good it's it, you know now to have that to stick to aimed for it's a nice thought but I'm still a bit worried because of all the covid and stuff about the traveling and about having to put it off and not wanting to get my hopes up too much so it'll be successful. Um, Cause obviously like the last two goes have been, uh, we've had not been Shit. successful, they've been rubbish. So yeah, it's just, well, no, like the second time was really good. Yeah. Like we got to transfer stage and stuff and that was, you know, it was really nice, but I, I'm also apprehensive because of, I know how it feels the letdown, like when it doesn't work and then the two week wait and not going through all that, you get your hopes and get so excited. Yeah, we, we were just saying yeah. earlier how it's really hard to know how hopeful to be because the more hopeful you are, if it doesn't work, the, the harder you fall afterwards. That's what, what, I, what I found. I felt before the second time, the come down from it the second time was a lot harder than the first time even, you know, and the first time was hard but the second time was even harder. So, and I feel for us now with this option, like potentially maybe, you know, probably being our last, um, you know, cause then to be able to afford to do it again, we'd have to start all over again. You know, we still got to pay to get to California and stuff, you know, it's still a lot of money that mm. I think, you know, I don't want to put all my hope on this, but it is what, you know, but it is what it is sort of thing as well. So yeah, it's, you know, it's got everything crossed and fingers crossed. I'm just so, 
I'm glad we've got like well Kev especially has this to focus on and like to keep us the community of being yeah. it has been amazing like to have this journey and just know that previously we felt so lonely yeah. and, and just like even like we were going through it but just for me I just felt lonely in it all as well because just doing it on your own just and I, I felt like I was failing when it didn't work the IVF I felt like I was yeah. the letdown whereas you know it, it's not I know it that's not the case but it's nice to have other people to connect to who understand because as much as your family and friends want to unless they've been there they, they really can't and, and how often is it that one of them can just say something which they don't they honestly don't mean to to be the worst thing to say but somehow it is and and you know yeah. i remember just snapping back when a perfectly viable normal suggestion might be made but for me it was like red rag to a bull you know, how could you possibly suggest that that's ridiculous <laughs> my sister only had a baby 12 weeks ago and then um, when they first found out this time last year that she was pregnant there was this whole big thing with my family like I, I was upstairs working and I saw them outside of, outside of my mum's all gathered at the bottom of the drive with my brother and his wife and her mum and my mum and, and my sister and her partner all getting together and they shared the news and then it was like they, and nobody knew how to tell me and then they were like oh my mum pulled me aside and I, it upset me so much they didn't treat me normally like I was like why wouldn't you tell me? Why wouldn't I be happy? Or they were just upset. And I was like, well, you're upset. How do you think I feel about that? You know? And, but we cut over, and it was more the fact of finding out she was pregnant that I found upset. And when the baby came along, I was just, I'm overjoyed with, you know, she's beautiful and you know, it's lovely to see, but yeah, that I find that, the hardest thing I think just I, yeah I, I found myself just becoming a person I didn't like because I was kind of bitter towards people's good news and it's just a horrible way way to be and fingers crossed for us it'll be the next time you know we'll have our thing everything crossed for you and um do you know what though you're you're really brave because we we found it really hard to talk about when we were going through it and you talking about it when you're still going through it is is a huge yeah. thing to do and it's really courageous so um well done thank you, thank you. People. And what would be just while i've got you both there together what would be your kind of top tip as a couple for <laughs> not breaking up <laughs> particularly now because you know we can't see other people as much as we could and they can't go on holidays and things like that which are a stress release so so what are you doing to make sure you um you know you come out all the better for it I think for us is about like the fundamental thing that we want to be together, you know, like making that, like when we went through IVF, like the first and the second time really, like after they failed, like knowing that we still wanted to be together, even though yeah. that maybe we might not have a family. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that's kind of, because since the second attempt, we've got married since then, you know, which was really nice thing to do. And made our, thank you. But like made our commitment to each other. And like, we know, like, even if it doesn't work this time, like we still want to be together, you know, and it's not about having a baby because it, it's the next thing to do. It's because, you know, that's your kind of the love you have for each other. You want to have a family, but I still want to share my life with Kev, even if we didn't have a baby you know it that's we uh we've been looking at dogs already yes getting a dog <laughs> why, why do you think we have three dogs <laughs> everybody says to me when we're, we're walking them they say oh you've got your hands full how did you end up with three <laughs> well how long have you got <laughs> yes <laughs> i think that's the main thing that's for me anyway yeah, that's sure. what i feel totally. it's about wanting to 
you know, we do enjoy each other's company. And as much as I can, would like to see us in the future having a family, even if we didn't, I would still enjoy Kev's company and being with Kev for Kev, not just because we can have a baby. <laughs> Gosh, that's a huge part of the jigsaw and finding the solution to being together is that you, you know you know yeah. full well that if, if the worst case happened and it didn't happen, you'd still want to be there with each other. So, and that's a really important thing to get out there and talk about, isn't it? Having a baby isn't like all the, you know, it's not all joyful and happy and, you know, it's not as much as we want it desperately. It will, you know, that would be hard work and, you know, puts a lot of strain on a relationship. So, you know, but, and I still want that desperately, but obviously I want to be with Kev more. So, you know, if it didn't work, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Maybe for a little while it would be, but not for forever. <laughs> you know, I, I, we, would, we would pick ourselves up and move on, you know, get through it together. Well, you're handling all of it much better than I think we did <laughs> at the time. I mean, and I, I just hope, hope that what you're doing does move things on because my big thing is that it just doesn't get talked about enough. You know, why doesn't it get talked about in normal conversation? Why is it something that people are embarrassed or ashamed to talk about? Um, and yes, we had we had our amazing success. We had some a magic ending. You know, we did. We've got Jemima, and that is oh my gosh. I still don't know how she's here. Yeah. But, it, the whole the whole thing for me is oh, there's so many people going through what we went through and I just know how that feels I think when the first time we went through it it literally we kept it like totally secret to us because we didn't want to share you know that and, and like you said that was our choice but I feel like it shouldn't be like that and I feel like this time I since we've opened up so many more people talk about their struggles their how and it's more common than you know and yet it's so not talked about such a taboo subject and I just don't get why hopefully you know the way things are moving you know, yourself right. Kev like there is more and more and more stuff going out there about you know about the fertility journeys and stuff and about what people go through that hopefully it will become a bit more talked about and a bit more comfortable for people going through it to be able to feel they can express sadness and their sorrow as well as the joys of it as well you know the highs and the lows I suppose well that's a really good place to leave it on you know how yes. you manage with each other I think and how you hand, sort of handle the future Kev I think over to you really to just do a little plug a last plug for the man cave and where people can find you and um and, and what you hope people can get from it really um yeah you can find me over on instagram uh, them underscore and cave and my website uh, uh them uh, slash and cave uh and yeah i'm all about male infertility and mental health and spreading awareness guys and uh, yeah that's where you can find me Thank you very much. I will have everything crossed for you for America. You. So good luck and uh, sending you lots of strength. Before I go today, a reminder to get your questions into me. They can be about anything fertility related. I have a range of experts on over the coming weeks, but for next week, I'm particularly looking for questions you may have about two of the most common causes of infertility in women polycystic ovary syndrome and endometriosis. Get those to me at Andrea Byrne TV. That's my tag on Twitter and on Instagram. And the burn is B-Y-R-N-E. I look forward to hearing from you and hopefully trying to help. The next episode is out on November the 30th and I'll be joined by two women who have those conditions 
alongside Dr. Philip Banfield, a very experienced obstetrician, and he's also the chair of the British Medical Association Consultants Committee. I really do hope that you can join me then. Looking forward to it. See you soon. Bye-bye for now.